0: This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. In her final address as Britain's shortest-serving prime minister, Liz Truss said it had been a huge honour to lead the country and that her government had acted urgently and decisively. Most would argue those decisions were wrong. She also wished every success to Rishi Sunak, her successor. Mr Sunak, a former chancellor, will now meet with King Charles, who will invite him to form the next government. He is expected to name his cabinet later on Tuesday. Russia redoubled its warnings about Ukraine's supposedly preparing to use a dirty bomb, a radiation-dispersing explosive, and said it would raise them before the UN Security Council on Tuesday. Western governments had already denounced Russia's alarm as a pretext for its next escalation. The UN's International Atomic Energy Agency said it would send inspectors to look at two Ukrainian nuclear sites at Ukraine's invitation. The offshore yuan, a freely traded version of China's currency, fell to a record low against the dollar. The yuan proper sank too, reaching its lowest level in 14 years after China's central bank lowered the band at which it is allowed to trade. On Monday, there was a worldwide sell-off of Chinese tech stocks, in reaction to President Xi Jinping's tightening grip on power. Jamie Dimon, the boss of J.P. Morgan Chase, said he believes that America and Saudi Arabia will remain allies, despite recent tensions. Mr Dimon is currently in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia's capital, for the Future Investment Initiative Conference. American bankers have flocked to Davos in the desert, but officials from the Biden administration are notably absent, amid a continued spat over oil production. HSBC named George L. Hedry as its new chief financial officer, causing speculation that he will eventually replace Noel Quinn, the chief executive. Europe's largest bank also reported a bump in quarterly profits on the back of rising global interest rates. Its net interest income increased by a third to $8.6 billion from July to September, and pre-tax profit at $6.5 billion beat expectations. American prosecutors charged two Chinese intelligence officers with bribing a government employee to obstruct America's criminal case against Huawei. According to an unsealed complaint, the men, who remain at large, paid $61,000 in Bitcoin to an FBI agent whom they believed to be acting as a mole. The firm, identified only as a Chinese telecoms giant in the complaint, was confirmed to be Huawei by several news outlets. Opposition groups in Myanmar reported that the army killed at least 50 civilians in airstrikes against a concert going crowd. The event was being held to celebrate the 62nd anniversary of the Kachin Independence Organization, a separatist group with an armed wing that has backed the broader-based uprising against Myanmar's junta. Survivors said they saw three fighter jets drop bombs. And fact of the day. 300,000. The number of paintings Steve Keen, an American artist, estimates to have sold or donated since the early 1990s.
1: And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Germany marshals a recovery for Ukraine. Dithering over delivering arms to Ukraine has damaged Germany's international image, but the Chancellor, Olaf Scholz, seems to have got with the program. Keen to show that Germany, currently the president of the G7, is pulling its weight on other fronts, he will co-host an international conference in Berlin on Tuesday on the recovery, reconstruction, and modernization of Ukraine. Mr. Scholz and his fellow host, Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the European Commission, have worked closely with Ukraine's government. The Ukrainian Prime Minister, Denis Shmihal, will attend the summit in person. The idea is to conceive a martial Plan for Ukraine, a, quote, generational task that must start now, according to the summiteers, even though the war grinds on. Mr. Schmihal demands that frozen Russian assets worth up to $500 billion be used to finance the reconstruction of Ukraine, which is projected to cost at least $350 billion. He argues that the prospect of footing the bill for inflicted damage could serve as a deterrent to potential future aggressors. A Spooky Week for Big Tech Alphabet and Microsoft will kick off a nervous earnings quarter for tech firms when they report their latest results on Tuesday. Tech enjoyed a stellar 2021 as COVID forced people to go online to work, shop, and play. This year, it has fallen back to earth. Inflation, war, and broken supply chains have darkened the economic outlook. A strong dollar has made things harder still for American exporters. Most of Silicon Valley is freezing recruitment and trimming budgets. Last week, Snap spooked markets when it reported wilting demand for digital advertising on Snapchat, its social media app. Alphabet, Google's parent company, relies on ads too, though its business has so far proved more resilient. Microsoft has a strong cloud computing division but must reckon with falling PC sales. Later this week, Amazon, Apple, and Meta will also announce their earnings. For some anxious investors, it feels as if Halloween is coming early. Pennsylvania's One Senate Debate John Fetterman and Mehmet Oz, the Democratic and Republican nominees for Pennsylvania's open Senate seat, square off on Tuesday in what is likely to be their only debate. Back when he was trailing badly in the polls, Mr. Oz, who was at ease before the cameras after years of television appearances, had been pushing for five debates. But Mr. Fetterman agreed to just this one, held well after the start of early voting. Mr. Fetterman has never been a strong debater, but voters will be watching him keenly tonight. He suffered a stroke in May, and although his doctor says he's, quote, recovering well and can, quote, work full duty in public office, he also still shows, quote, symptoms of an auditory processing disorder and will use closed captioning during the debate. Mr. Fetterman's wide polling lead from earlier this autumn has all but vanished. The two candidates are neck and neck, and the outcome of this race matters it could determine control of the Senate. What's the plan for Italy? Italy's new Prime Minister, Giorgia Maloney, is due to unveil her government's program in Parliament on Tuesday, amid continued grumbling by one of her coalition partners. After weeks of negotiations, Silvio Berlusconi, the leader of Forza Italia, who is on trial for allegedly bribing witnesses, was denied control of the Justice Ministry. Ms. Maloney's high-handedness has, quote, prompted disappointment, said Giorgio Mule, a leading figure in Mr. Berlusconi's party. Ms. Maloney's cabinet, which she named on Saturday, reflects the rigorously conservative concerns of her Brothers of Italy party. Eugenia Maria Rocella, the minister for equal opportunities, for example, will also be responsible for boosting Italy's birth rate. The Prime Minister is more conventional with her pro NATO foreign policy, though it remains to be seen how confrontational her nationalist coalition will be towards the EU. And questions remain as to how radical the government's social and financial policies will be. Guillermo del Toro's Monster Mash. From Pan's Labyrinth to The Shape of Water, winner of the Oscar for Best Picture in 2018, almost every film made by Guillermo del Toro has featured supernatural monsters. Crawling with them, too, is his eight-part Netflix anthology, which has its premiere on Tuesday. Two standalone tales will be released daily. Each hour-long episode of Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities is adapted from a short horror story. Two of these stories were written by the Mexican filmmaker himself and two by H.P. Lovecraft, an American author. Each episode has a different director and a different setting in 20th century America. All have lavish production design and all have slimy, fanged, tentacle-waggling creatures, several of which were co-designed by Mr. del Toro. These cheerfully old-fashioned shockers offer ghoulish Halloween entertainment that is both eclectic and archetypal, featuring plenty of gore, creepy soundtracks, and, of course, monsters galore. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 Hours BST on Friday to Espresso at com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday. Which philosopher wrote the essay The Hedgehog and the Fox? Monday. What is the series title of the seven fantasy novels by C.S. Lewis that begin with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Pablo Picasso, who was born on this day in 1881 Art is the elimination of the unnecessary. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app.